Howdy hey, and welcome to the Don't Do Dogma podcast, where I encourage you to challenge your beliefs on long-standing dogmas surrounding health and wellness. My name is Shara, and I'm currently in a Master of Science in Nutrition. I'm also in a dietitian education program to become a registered dietitian. This podcast is not medical advice, and I will always encourage you to do your own research. I'll also share any resources referenced in the show notes. Let me know if there's a topic you would like me to research for an episode, and thanks for listening. This episode, we're talking about sunscreen. I don't personally wear sunscreen, but I get a lot of questions um, from friends and family members as to whether or not they should wear sunscreen or apply it to their children. Um, my personal advice is to not wear sunscreen, but again, this podcast is not medical advice, and I like to just present the information as clearly as I can. Some background information. Near-UV radiation is any ultraviolet light in the 180 to 400 nanometer wavelength range. So again, that's 180 to 400. Harmful wavelengths that are associated with skin cancer are 290 to 340 nanometers. When we're talking about UVA radiation, that's 320 to 400 nanometers. And UVB radiation is 290 to 320 nanometers. So let's talk for a second about common chemicals that are in sunscreen um, that you're directly applying to your meat suit when you choose to do that. This chemical is PABA. I call it PABA. (laughs) When I was researching it, I just read it as PABA. Um, It stands for para-aminobenzoic acid. That's a white solid that's slightly soluble in water. It occurs extensively in nature and in sunscreens. It's less common to find PABA in sunscreens nowadays, but there's still some sunscreens that contain this. It was previously used as a UVB absorber in the past. It absorbs wavelengths between 290 and 320 nanometers. So that still allows for UVA wavelengths between 320 and 400 nanometers. Um, So if you were to apply a sunscreen with only PABA, that would still allow a tan. The initial studies showed it reduced UV damage in mice and protected against skin tumors. But then subsequent animal studies in the 80s showed that PABA may actually increase the risk of cellular UV damage. So the experiments were performed with mouse lymphoma cells, and that demonstrated sensitization by the PABA of the lethal effect of near-UV radiation. And that bared a direct relationship to the PABA concentration used. The authors did emphasize in that study the limitations of the results in predicting response of human skin to the presence of PABA during exposure to UV. That being said, PABA is associated with skin allergies because it has to be mixed with synthetic materials to be fully active. That synthetic material is most often alcohol, which is known to cause allergic dermatitis. So because of the studies that came out, the fact that it has to be mixed with a synthetic material to be activated, uh, it's less common to see PABA in your sunscreens, but I would still avoid this chemical if possible. Okay, so next we're going to talk about oxybenzone, which is BP3, and octanoxinate, which is OMC, um, like OMC, how bizarre. (laughs) Um, Oxybenzone is an active ingredient in many sunscreens and skincare products. It slows the absorption of both UVA and UVB in human skin. The problem that I was running into with this one is that there are studies published by the FDA that show oxybenzone can absorb into the skin and blood and can be detected weeks after use. No bueno, in in my opinion, just with that alone. It also can react with chlorine, 
and the byproducts can concentrate in pools and wastewater. Treatment plants actually do not remove this chemical as part of their, their standard protocols. You know, there might be some treatment plants that are looking for this. This chemical has been shown uh, to have toxic reactions in both coral and fish. And for that reason, oxybenzone and octanoxinate OMC have both been banned in Key West and Hawaii due to toxic effects on marine ecosystems. So, you know, kind of taking those things <laughs> in mind, I don't think I'm going to put this on my skin. The other concern that comes up when you put this on and then wash it off in your shower or your pool, if they're not routinely testing for it in treatment plants, which I may do another podcast just on what sorts of things treatment plants actually test for and remove. I don't like to think of adding that to the water supply. I would much rather use just a natural ingredient like coconut oil or get my skin used to being out in the sun rather than applying these chemicals and kind of hoping for the best. Even though these two chemicals were banned in Key West and Hawaii due to their toxic effects, a systematic review from 2020 actually showed that Elevated level of BP3, which is oxybenzone, has no adverse effect on fertility, adiposity, fetal growth, or child sexual and neurodevelopmental maturation. However, the association of BP3 level on thyroid hormone, kidney function, pubertal timing, and testosterone level has been reported and further investigation is still needed to validate those associations. If you look into this yourself, you'll see there's contradictory findings with these two chemicals, the OMC and the oxybenzone. So until well-designed longitudinal randomized controlled trials are done, I, I wouldn't wear these. I think that they're being banned for a reason, and I think you're better off just not wearing those two chemicals. So let's talk about mineral sunscreens. I was wearing these for a little while. I thought they might be a better alternative to really complex chemical sunscreens. There's zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. These are often combined just so that you get more of a spectrum. The zinc oxide is more effective in the UVA range, so 320 to 400 nanometers. With these zinc oxides and titanium dioxides, they have the ability to create nanoparticles. Non-nano zinc oxide sunscreen that means that the particles are larger than 100 nanometers, and those are typically deemed more safe because they cannot actually penetrate the skin, and they can't be ingested by marine animals and coral as easily. However, the nanoparticles can be ingested by marine animals and coral, and those can be absorbed into your skin. So, just in general, your skin is an organ, and it works the way that it does on purpose. I wouldn't be trying to absorb nanoparticles into my skin. The titanium dioxide is more effective in the UVB range, so that is 290 to 320 nanometers. In doing some research, skin exposure to nanoparticle-containing sunscreens leads to incorporation of titanium dioxide and zinc oxide in the stratum corneum of the skin. That's a layer of your skin. It can alter the nanoparticle attenuation properties due to particle-particle, particle skin, and skin-particle light physiochemical interactions. Both sunscreen nanoparticles induce photo and genotoxicity and have been observed in viable skin layers. You've got your top layer of skin, which is essentially dead cells. 
And then the further down you go into your skin, you've got uh, blood vessels that go in there. So it's saying that when you're applying these titanium dioxides and the zinc oxides, that's actually soaking into your skin and can affect the way that light is absorbed, the way the particles interact. If you were going to apply those to have some sun protection, look to see that they are non-nano particles. You want to avoid the nanoparticles, look for a sunscreen that is labeled as non-nano. So caution should still be exercised when new sunscreens are developed and research that includes sunscreen nanoparticle stabilization, chronic exposures, and reduction of nanoparticle free radical production should still receive full attention. That was a quote from one of the articles that I'll link below. But free radicals, so that saying these nanoparticles can produce free radicals, Free radicals are highly reactive molecules. Oxidative stress occurs in the body when the balance between the free radicals and antioxidants is disrupted. So again, just another reason why I wouldn't be applying this to my skin, as your skin sort of serves a pivotal role in dealing with UV radiation in a natural way. I wouldn't be introducing these nanoparticles. Someone once told me that sunscreen is what I should be doing. Then we can talk about the fun part. Uh, why I wanted to do this one in the first place was benefits of sunlight exposure. Instead of thinking before you're about to go hiking or you're going to the beach, oh, I need to put on a bunch of sunscreen, sun is evil, I don't want to go out and just get burned all day. Yeah, you don't want to go out in the middle of the day with absolutely no protection on, but maybe you should be more cognizant of some of the benefits that the sun can have. So ultraviolet B radiation induces vitamin D production in your skin. UVB wavelengths of 290 to 315 um, nanometers is the main source for producing vitamin D in your skin and the primary source of vitamin D for your body. And it's estimated that 90% of your daily requirements are met by sunlight exposure. There's also UVB induced tanning. Who doesn't want to tan? Um, It increases the melanin in your skin which actually acts as a natural sunscreen, can protect you 290 to 700 nanometers. Ideally, you're getting some sunlight in the morning and at night when it's not as intense and you're building up a good layer of melanin in your skin. Definitely not telling anyone to strip off their clothes and run out into the sunlight at 12 p.m. in Texas, but there's a way to slowly introduce melanin into your skin and produce that natural barrier. Melanin protects structures in and below the skin against free UV-induced radicals. So again, it acts as a shield from that UV. Several human skin diseases like psoriasis, vitiligo, and apoptic dermatitis can actually be treated with solar radiation or artificial UV radiation, which is called phototherapy. UV exposure generates nitric oxide, which may reduce blood pressure, improve cardiovascular health, and UV exposure may improve mood through release of endorphins. Skin exposure to narrow-band UVB light can exert distinct regulatory effects on the gut environment. So in humans, there is a potential health benefit. Um, It needs to be studied further on what UVB can do for your gut microbiome, but several of the studies I'll link below say that skin exposure to UV may improve gut conditions like IBS and constipation. So since we've 
gone through some of the fun stuff. Let's talk about what happens when you don't get enough vitamin D because you're afraid of the sun and you think you should put on titanium dioxide and just never, never get any sun at all. So vitamin D deficiency has been associated with increased risk for depression, Alzheimer's disease, epilepsy, and neurocognitive decline. Association with vitamin D deficiency and increased risk for type 2 diabetes. So type 2 diabetes is a major growing problem in the United States. So this is showing that if you're vitamin D deficient, there is an association for an increased risk for type 2 diabetes. In a clinical setting, exposure to UVB improved circulating concentration of 25-hydroxyvitamin D by more than 160% and significantly reduced blood pressure in hypertensive patients. So vitamin D is important. I think there's more to it than just getting the vitamin D. I think that we can't really measure what the sun does to our cognitive state. I think there's benefits with your gut microbiome. So the tips that I've kind of come up with doing this research are to avoid those chemicals that I mentioned. So avoid PABA, para-aminobenzoic acid, oxybenzone, which might also be written as BP3, octanoxate, which is OMC. Just think OMC, how bizarre, why is that in my sunscreen? And then you want to avoid alcohol in your dermatologic projects. Projects! <laughs> Your dermatologic products because it causes allergic reactions um, and you obviously want to avoid fragrances and preservatives in your sunscreens and skincare products. Uh, another tip would be to just to work up a tolerance for the sun and tan in the mornings and evenings when possible. You can do it going out in the morning and the evening. Please don't go outside and fry in the sun for four hours and then say that I encouraged you to do that because it's just wrong. <laughs> So eating fats and cholesterol for skin protection and to efficiently convert your vitamin D. Your skin will, it makes a precursor of vitamin D, which then has to be converted into active vitamin D. You can accomplish that through having a diet that includes enough fat and cholesterol. I, there's going to be so many episodes I'm going to go into about the benefits of eating fats and cholesterol, but for this one, just keep in mind the avocado is not bad. You could you could maybe have a steak now and again. Just eat the steak in the sun. Like go just pack a picnic of avocado, egg yolk, and steak, and go sit in the sun. Wear protective clothing if you're going out midday and you don't have that hearty tan that all of the rest of us beautiful people have. If you're not a beautiful person with a nice tan then you can wear your layers of clothes until you become beautiful like the rest of us. Go outside, get a hot tan. I mean, I never see a tan person and think, man, that person looks unhealthy. Arnold Schwarzenegger in his, in his lifting days really didn't look too bad because he was super tan at the same time. Either fake tan or you get a real tan because I think that signals a part of the brain that says, hey, this person's healthy. So, uh, neato gang. Please don't wear these really uh, harmful chemicals. I mean, if you can find a sunscreen that doesn't have some of these ingredients, geez, please link it to me, show it to me. I'd be happy to look at any chemicals anyone sends to me and see if I can find research on it. Kind of wanted to convince myself that I could maybe wear sunscreen, but I just found worse and worse information about sunscreen. And I think there's a healthy way to go about getting a tan, avoiding skin cancer. I did work for the American Cancer Society, so I'm pretty aware of how prevalent melanomas and uh, basal carcinomas are, so I am aware of that. 
I don't think the sun is the culprit. I think it's our diet and the types of things we're applying to our skins. You know, think about it, like get a hot tan and, and think about it. <laughs>